round of applause. So timely, that song is for um, just what we're talking about today. Why does God allow tragedy and suffering? Before we get started, though, I'd just love to, to open us with a, a word of prayer. Father, uh, we come before you now, and we just ask that you would speak to us. God, would you just give us um, uh, just open ears uh, to hear what you would have to say to us today? God, would you put away everything that might hinder? God, would you, um, would you just draw us closer to yourself? Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to study your word, uh, to talk openly about doubt, and uh, to just draw closer to you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. We've been doing this series called Room for Doubt. I believe this is the, the fifth week. And... Uh, this is not an easy topic today, um, but if you've uh, not struggled much with, with doubt, uh, if you've not really dealt with um, much of the other topics that we've talked about so far, um, if there was one that you could pick out that almost everybody will deal with or has dealt with or is currently dealing with, it's this one today. Why does God allow tragedy and suffering? Most of you remember Hurricane Katrina from about 10 years ago. This was uh, the 10-year anniversary. And I was listening to uh, a story the other day of a lady who lived in New Orleans and who, who was in the upper middle class, and she talked about how uh, before Hurricane Katrina, she would regularly buy $100 pairs of jeans and you know, f- you know, had pretty much everything she needed. And uh, she was talking about how in the midst of Hurricane Katrina, her and her family fled to Houston, Texas to, to kind of get out of the path of the storm and to protect their family. And, uh, you know, many people died, as a matter of fact, in Hurricane Katrina. And so they were being safe and they left. And the, the bank that she had at the time had, uh, it, was, it was a pretty local bank and uh, their bank flooded and was, was damaged, and so their servers were kind of underwater, and they didn't have any immediate records of her financial information. They had to sort through it, and so she had pulled out a sum of money, and it lasted for a, a short amount of time, and so her family stayed in hotels for, for a few weeks until the money began to run out. And, uh, and, and so they, they were in this place where they no longer had a a place to live, and they started sleeping in their vehicle, and and uh, she was she was talking about how because she ran out of money and she didn't have any more, she couldn't go to the bank and get any more. But at the same time, they knew they were were planning to move back to New Orleans. She had a great job there, and so they were just kind of in this weird spot. And so she began to beg at the entrance to a Walmart and just ask for for people to to give them money, not j- just so she could feed her kids, and so she could give them some clean diapers. She said it got so bad at one point that, that they were washing their underwear in the gas station bathroom, and they had to scrape out the dirty diaper, the reusable dirty diaper, and just scrape it out and just put it back on their kids because they couldn't afford any more diapers, and they're just begging for somebody to give them money for diapers. 
Or maybe you've heard about some of the school shootings that seems like they're happening far too often. Anytime is too often. But it's been happening more frequently lately. Or maybe you remember 9-11 and the tragedies that happened. Or you could just browse through the news this week and see that there were suicide bombers in Nigeria that killed 15 people this week. Why would God allow that to happen? If our God loves us, why does he allow things like that to happen? This question, maybe the most relevant question of this whole series, why does God allow tragedy and suffering in this world? John 16:33 is a very sobering reminder from Jesus, and he says, "In this world, you will have trouble. If we've lived under the impression that, that hopefully, maybe, if we just live a good enough life, that there won't be suffering, there won't be pain and heartache in our lives, we are living with blinders on. Because Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. He acknowledges that there will be times in this life that it doesn't make sense. In fact, in the preceding verses in chapter 16, the disciples are just complaining to Jesus, essentially, because Jesus has been telling them that his time on earth is coming to an end, and they're, they're not understanding why he would say this, and they're, they're frustrated, and they, they don't understand it. I don't know if you guys remember the, the series that we did last year, uh, through the story. We called it the story. And in the story, we talked about how, uh, how this phraseology of an upper story versus lower story. And the lower story is, is basically our human perspective on things. And God's perspective is the upper story. He knows great, far greater reaches than, than what we know. So to answer the question posed at the beginning, why would he allow tragedy and suffering? The answer is, this isn't going to fill you with warm fuzzies when tragedy hits, but the answer is, is that we don't know. And quite frankly, we may never know. But 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see only a dim likeness of things. It is as if we were seeing them in a foggy mirror, but someday... We will see clearly. We will see face to face. What I know now is not complete. But someday, I will know completely just as God knows me completely. Someday we'll understand. Someday, when we're not on this earthly world anymore, and we don't have the, the confined human perspective that we do now, we may begin to understand why God has worked the way he has in our world. A few weeks ago, I was driving home from a trip to Indianapolis. I was visiting my, my sister and my brother-in-law who lived there. And uh, Eli and Judah, my, uh, my two oldest boys, were with me. And uh, we we're, were driving home. The weather was really nice. And uh, as we drove along Interstate 74 on the way back home, we see some ominous storm clouds ahead of us. And sure enough, about 20 minutes later, we get into a torrential downpour. The, the rain is coming down like I've never seen it before. The wind is blowing. There's thunder. There's lightning. I stopped for a few minutes to look and make sure I wasn't driving into a tornado. That's how bad it was. 
and we're driving and I'm slowing down. I'm seeing people pulling over the side of the road with their hazard lights on. And then in front of me, I see some taillights of a car. And they got their hazard lights on to make sure that I can see them. And I decide that I can just follow them because obviously they can see better than I can in the midst of this. But these lights, in the midst of this torrential downpour, in the midst of really foggy, hard to understand hard-to-see situation, I see some lights that kind of guide me to the other side of the storm. Our understanding of why there is tragedy and suffering in the world is similar to that experience that I had. We may not always be able to see and make out all the details of the road in front of us, but there are some truths that can be a source of light to us in the midst of a world full of tragedy and suffering. So I'm going to give you just five points of light today to us. The first one is that God didn't create or cause evil and suffering. Sometimes our, our default perspective when, it, when tough times hit us is to automatically blame God. God caused this. And so the question may present itself, why didn't God just create a world? If God loves us, why didn't he just create a world where suffering and tragedy didn't exist? And the answer is he did. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had created and it was good. And so where did this evil come from? When God created the world, he created the ability for us to love. And love wouldn't be true, it wouldn't be genuine if it wasn't a choice. If it was forced, it wouldn't be true love. So in order for us to experience real love, God gave us free will. And the ability to reject the love that God has given us. And as humans, we've abused our free will and walked away from God's many times. Obviously, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short. And so, this has brought our sin and our decision to reject God's love at times has brought two kinds of evil into this world. There's a moral evil. There's the evil that is suffering because of our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Because, you know, there is enough food in this world for everyone to eat 3,000 calories a day. And yet there are people starving in other places of the world. That is moral evil. And then there's natural evil. There's things like Hurricane Katrina. We don't know that, uh, we can't always bring answers to why those things exist, but evil exists. The reality is we live in a broken and a fallen world. And if you think about much of the evil in our world, the majority of evil in our world, it's, it's the moral evil. It's the kind that we cause because of our decision to reject God. Even natural evil, though, it, this doesn't bring a whole lot of solace or warm fuzzies, like I said, but Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Even nature longs for creation for redemption. And so why evil? 
because you can't have the good without the bad. You would have no frame of reference of what is good and what is bad if you didn't have both. Here's a case in point. When I was in high school, I was a poor high school student. I was trying to make my dollars go further, and I had heard that Wendy's had a dollar spicy chicken sandwich. And I ate a lot of Wendy's spicy chicken sandwiches, and I felt like they were awesome. And they were, they were delicious. And then one day, I went to Chick-fil-A. And I had what may be the best chicken sandwich on the face of the earth. If you've not had one, we have one in Bloomington Normal. Not open today, though, so don't go. And I had a frame of reference all of a sudden for what a good chicken sandwich is. I had frame of reference for good and for bad. So because you can't have a frame of reference of what is good and what is evil without both, it exists. And it exists because of our broken and fallen world. Point number two, though it isn't good, though suffering isn't good, God can use it to accomplish good. I'm an optimist. Um, I, I feel like I'm always trying to look for the good in a situation. I'm someone that always needs to, to see a, a point and a reason for a situation. And so this point is especially relevant to me because it helps me to get a greater understanding of, of what's going on. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Kind of reminds me of the story of, of Joseph, Genesis 39 and following. And we know that, that Joseph is, is the favorite son of his father. He's got 12 brothers, and he's the favorite son, which means that his brothers just hated him. And his, his dad makes him this coat of many colors, which made him hate him even more. And then he has these dreams about his brothers bowing down to him, which he shared with them, which made him hate him any, even more. And so they hated him so much, they, they decided they were going to kill him. And then they had one brother that changed their minds, and they sold him into slavery. And then they told their dad that he was killed. And he gets sold into slavery, and it seems like God is kind of turning his life around a little bit. He gains favor in the, in the house of Potiphar, who he is serving for. And he's, he's kind of the top dog there, and then Potiphar's wife makes some advances to him, and then he gets thrown in jail, even though he does done no wrong. And then in jail, he starts to gain in favor, and he interprets two guys' dreams, and then they forget about him. And finally, years and years after this unfairness and bad luck, or whatever you want to call it, all this unfairness and heartache that has happened in Joseph's life, God begins to use the things that were bad for good. And Joseph is able, because of God's blessing, because God has given him a vision, he's able to save a bunch of grain up in years of plenty for seven years of famine. And so the country of Egypt is is doing much better because of him. And his brothers come because they need food, and his brothers come before him. And 
he, he tells them who he is, and, and they're afraid because they realize that he's now in a position of power and they should be killed for what they've done. But his response is amazing. It is truly an upper story perspective. Genesis 50-50 says, You intended to harm me, that God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, saving many lives. That is an upper story perspective because he had every right. Every right to be frustrated and mad with God about the way his life had gone. It didn't go according to Joseph's plans. Many times God uses suffering and tragedy and pain and evil in this world to draw us to himself. You know, I think about the lady that I was telling you about at the beginning of the story. You know, never once, I'm sure, when she was making as much money as she was and she was buying $100 pairs of jeans on a regular basis, did she think that she would be a place where she was begging for diaper money? She was powerless. And sometimes in these moments of powerlessness, that's when God draws us near and says, I know that you can't change anything on your own. But God is the one who you can trust. Because he is the one that can work the bad for the good. Point number three, the day is coming when all suffering will cease and God will judge evil. You know, the story of the world isn't over. One day this time will come. And so why is he waiting Why, when it seems like all this tragedy is still happening all the time, day in and day out, it seems like, why is he waiting? And it could be for some of you. Our God is so loving that he wants everyone to make the choice to love him. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Man, for those that have accused God of being unloving of his creation and of his world, need to read the real heart of what God feels here. He is a forever loving God, wanting everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone possible to come into a relationship with Him and to have an eternity with Him. Point number four, suffering pales in comparison to what God has in store. This makes me think of Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
See, when we have Christ, when we've accepted Jesus, we have something to look forward to, an eternity with God where there will be no more suffering and there will be no more pain. For those of you in a present state of suffering or tragedy or dealing with whatever it has been that's been going on with your life, know that this will end and that Christ's victory will be proclaimed. I had a chance to gain maybe some some greater perspective when it comes to tragedy and suffering uh, from Lindsay Moody. And uh, we we took a a video a couple weeks ago, and I just want to share it with you. Check this out. Hi, I'm Lindsay Moody, and I attend First Christian Church and have since I was very small. Um, As a baby, my parents um, always took us to church, and um, I always knew as a child I uh, was blessed with an amazing family who my parents um, always showed us how to put God first and then others and then finally ourselves. Um, They taught us the value of loving God above all else. And it was easy to see as a kid, to be real honest, that we had a pretty good life and that we were blessed in a lot of ways. Um, Looking back, I'm amazed that my dad accomplished all that he did. He was always helping somebody in need or um, working on a project 110%, but yet he was always so involved in our lives and um, always there for the things that we did growing up. And it was awesome growing up in a state park. We were an outside family. We loved to hike and bike and uh, long days on the lake, on the boat. And um, just a lot of love, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. And of course we had times of pain and suffering, but um, in all honesty, it was about as good as it gets as a little girl. As I grew into an adult and we'd gather around the dinner table as a family, uh, we'd often pray for families that were hurting or having a hard time. And I started thinking in my head like, man, when it, when's it gonna be our turn? When are we gonna hit, get hit with that tragedy? And three and a half years ago that day came. Um, my husband, Chris, and my little boy McCoy, who was one at the time, and myself went to Florida for the first time. We took our little boy to the beach and just had a blast on that vacation. And as I'll share a little bit more in a bit, um, we were kind of having a rough road just with dad's health. And it's kind of an escape to get away and just have a good family vacation. And on the final day of our trip, um, nothing I would have ever expected. I remember it vividly. We were at the pool just having a swim and saw lizards on the fence and took McCoy over to see him and he was chasing him and having a good time and I heard Chris behind me and I turn around and find him on his knees with um, the phone in his hand and I knew immediately that it was dad. backtrack a bit uh, before we left for Florida dad had had knee surgery and he'd had a lot of ups and downs with it Um, just wasn't progressing as quickly as we wanted him to and 
Before we left for the trip, I gave him a big hug and I said, I want you to make some awesome gains while we're gone. And I want you to be much, much better when we get back. And every part of me thought that's exactly what would happen. We'd come back and he'd be on that road to recovery. Uh, God answered that prayer in a different way and um, God called him home on that day um, when we got that call. Dad gained absolutely everything that day and he was far better than I could have possibly imagined. Was I happy with the way God had answered my prayer and um, those words that I left with dad? I can be honest with you and say not at all. I was angry, I was hurt, I had too much pain. It felt like the greatest man I'd ever known. And um, my example of a Christ-like leader had just been ripped away from me and I was totally, totally brokenhearted. However, in my most um, hurting moments, I still could see the good that God was bringing through this tragedy. Following dad's surgery, um, I had said before, he just hit some major bumps and it was a really rough road. And um, I prayed, I don't even know how many times for him, just um, really wanting God to make him well. And I prayed over and over and over and I started getting exhausted and really weary from feeling like God wasn't answering that prayer. Uh, my friends would ask me all the time how dad was doing, ready to hear that he was making a turn. And um, I just said, keep praying. We got to keep praying. And we prayed and prayed. And I fasted a couple times and prayed harder and prayed some more. I was starting to get angry. And, um, but in those times, I still felt God tugging me to get on my knees and pray. And then one day in our Sunday school class, we were watching a video um, and the presenter was sharing that our bodies are always deteriorating and that from the moment that we're born, we're working toward our death. And God used that moment to really speak to me. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but God completely changed my prayers. I was still praying for dad to be healed, but more importantly, I was focused on God being glorified through the situation. and that dad would see Jesus through his pain and hurt and that our family um, would find comfort and peace through that time and just that we would all be drawn to the Lord to glorify him. While I still felt that God would um, completely heal dad, um, my prayers were different and I knew that I needed um, to keep praying that prayer and that my family needed me to and that most of all, I was being drawn closer to God through that and that I needed him through that time. He was drawing me closer to him than ever before. And I won't lie, it didn't make losing dad any easier. I still felt the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. But there was also an unbelievable peace um, and comfort from God in knowing that this, this was his will and his way and um, that he needed me to see that. He needed me to see that He's always changing our hearts, even in the worst of times. My heart will never, ever be the same after losing dad, and it still hurts like crazy. But I can honestly say that I would not ask for him to be back here today. How could I do that when God took away all that pain, all that hurt and suffering, and he's celebrating with Jesus every single day? Now, the selfish, earthly part of me um, still wants him here, and that's when I start to feel um, 
just that pain and exhaustion to a degree that just feels too hard to handle at times. But that's when God reminds me of where he took me, even in those days that followed after dad passed, those just gut-wrenching, don't think you can live through it days. He reminds me of the good that he brought through it and um, that he has a perfect plan and that this is not our home and we're just here a short time. I have a long way to go in my relationship with the Lord, but God revealed himself in a whole new way that I couldn't even imagine during the toughest time in my life. He used my pain and my hurt to draw me closer to him, which is so awesome because that's exactly what he wants. He wants to draw us to him and um, he uses those times for great gains for his kingdom. And I think what's pretty awesome is dad would say the same. He'd say it's all worth it to bring others closer to Christ. Lindsay's testimony is, is just amazing, and it especially applies to our last point, that we decide whether to turn bitter or to turn to God for peace and for courage. You know, she had every right to be mad and frustrated with what happened because it wasn't what she wanted, but she chooses to have an upper story perspective. That God used her dad and her life, his life, to make differences for many people and to draw her closer to himself and to draw her family closer to himself and many, many others. John 16, the, the passage we kind of started off with, gives a, a, us a little better understanding as, as the disciples are struggling with why Jesus is leaving and just the general unfairness of life. Verse 22, it says, So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. The verse we started with, John 16, 33, says, I have told you these things, so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. And the end of the verse is magnificent. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross is so much bigger than the suffering, the pain, the tragedy, the evil that is happening in this world. He has overcome the world. And we can take peace and courage and joy from that. And knowing that there is a greater perspective that we may never know at stake and in play. My prayer is that when it comes to the issues of tragedy and suffering in our lives, is that we would maybe change our perspective and solely rely on our own understanding of how and why things work and begin to lean into the creator of the world 
who has an upper story that is playing simultaneously. We have no idea how he's using the evil of this world for good. And may it provide the comfort and understanding that we need when tragedy and suffering hits. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you now. God, we are so grateful for this world that you've created, and and yet at the same time we struggle with why things are the way they are. And God, I know that this morning I wasn't able to give a good, solid answer that's going to make us feel all better all of a sudden. But God, I just pray. I pray, Father, that we would just take heart in the fact that you have overcome the world. You've overcome every problem, every tragedy, every suffering known to man with Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you, Father. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.